and there's already a bit yellow blood in my in my veins. Already had a crazy 80 months here, but it just keeps on uh, keeps on going. Welcome to All in Yellow, the official Norwich City podcast. Pookie! Sensational! Who else? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the All in Yellow podcast. Today's guests need no introduction. They're the custodians of the football club and arguably our biggest fans. It's our joint majority shareholders, Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones. Delia and Michael have been on the board for many years, guiding the club through one of the most entertaining and successful periods in its history. It's going to be an absolute pleasure to speak with them today about their favourite memories of Norwich City and thoughts on how the current regime's working under Stuart Webber. You'll have noticed I'm flying solo today, and that's because my co-presenter Dan is currently away for a very good reason. His partner is due to give birth any day now, so all the very best to them. So without further ado, let's get going. The latest episode of All in Yellow with Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones. Delia and Michael, it is so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming on All in Yellow. Now, we're speaking ahead of the final home game of the season here at Carrow Road. What a season it's been so far, Delia. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes, unbelievable. Has it matched your expectations? Yes. <laughs> far exceeded them, I think. Yeah, far exceeded. I don't think we've ever seen such consistently good football. I think that's fair. Yeah. And what's been the magic ingredient, pardon the pun? <laughs> I think the mag- magic ingredient is um, the whole ethos of Norwich City Football Club now, which has become a really formidable team behind the scenes as well as on the pitch. And I think things, when people work together, things can be achieved much more easily. And I think Daniel and Stuart are magic ingredients as well. Yeah. What were the conversations you would have had with, with Daniel and Stuart then? Because obviously last season, Project Restart happened and it didn't go to plan. But what were the conversations you had in planning to turn that around heading into this season? I don't think we uh, put down any markers at all. Uh, <laughs> we, we seem to discover we're all on the same page, don't we, really? I think that's right, yeah. I mean, Them and us, we're all more or less pretty, pretty, pretty much agreed on things. I think that's actually right. You don't have to hammer it home at all. Are you, am I right in thinking you're at the training ground quite a lot? Because I listened to a podcast that Stuart Webber recently did and he said that maybe before he joined you weren't perhaps quite so present there, but you feel like you can go there whenever you want. I mean, you own the club. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't own the club because it's our philosophy that the fans own the club, Yeah, but we're caretakers. But yes, we love going to Colney. Um, it's, it's just a family here now. That's the only way I can describe it, really. And it's so impressive now, you know, with all the new um, gyms and goodness knows what and the soccer bot, which I can't wait to see that happening. Yeah, Yeah, we went to see it in Germany before it was purchased and it was fantastic. It's amazing. Well, yeah, tell us how the soccer box plan came came about. Well, Stuart knew of it because quite a few German clubs, major German clubs have it, but no one else as far as we know. We we are the first in in Britain to have it. And it's a computerised circle of which you stand in the middle and it reproduces games or situations and measures actually how uh, quick and agile and you are as a as a player oh wow and the training facilities in themselves have, have come on leaps and bounds since Stuart Weber has, has been at the club what do you make of all of that Delia oh I can't believe it when I go to Colney now and I think a few years back I just can't believe it. I'm always overwhelmed. And the one thing that really moves me is the academy being such an incredible achievement. Um, 
donated by our supporters. Our supporters paid for it. And I think that's just amazing. Yeah. How much have you missed the supporters not being here at Carroll Road this season, given everything they mean to the club? I can only describe it as having a limb missing. Really? Mm, awful. It's tragic. Uh, I mean, uh, it'd be, it would be bad enough to, for them to have, or for us all to have missed the, the football, but to, to have missed that standard of football and that sort of achievement <laughs> makes it even worse, really, isn't it? Yeah, I just hope they've all been watching. <laughs> I'm sure they have been. And one of the biggest fans was your amazing mum, Etty, who recently yes. passed away. Yeah. Absolutely incredible woman. In fact, I remember speaking to her a couple of seasons back, three seasons ago, I think it was, at the end of season awards, and she was telling me all about her favourite players. The list was quite long and she knew about everyone, didn't she? She did. She knew her football. And this season she would have been really excited, but she would have expected it. She always expected quite a lot of Norwich City. <laughs> and you didn't want to be in her way if we'd had a bad game. <laughs> On the other hand, we've got lots of photographs of her hugging young players, some of whom are still with us. She loved the, the academy and she raised funds for the academy all the way through. She, on her birthday every year, we invited people to the birthday party. No cards, no chocolates, no flowers, just a donation to the academy. And every year we raised quite a lot. Um, so she was very, very... I've got a picture of her giving Todd Player of the Year when he was about 14. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and one lovely thing I'd like everybody to know is that completely off their own bat, the supporters clubbed together and they bought the, the most amazing tree. Not the supporters, the team. The squad, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The squad. And they bought this amazing tree, didn't they? And sent it with a plaque saying, you know, fond memories from us all of Etty. Oh, that's so lovely. And it's now planted, looking at the pond and the orchard and in the base. And it's covered in way. green and yellow. Yeah, it's great. Oh, how beautiful. Tree. And she would have been so proud of how this season has unfolded, wouldn't she? Yeah. And the team has delivered so much joy this season. Obviously, it has been a difficult time for a lot of people as well with the pandemic. We're now more than a year into it. But just seeing, being able to see everything that the team is doing on and off the pitch it just brings so much joy to the fans, doesn't it? And, and that community feel is so important, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's Norwich has always been unique like that, I think. Um, it's, it's referred to as a family club, but I don't think that that means that lots of families come. It means like it's an extended family, if you like, sort of radiating out from Carrow Road to Norwich to Norfolk and beyond. Uh, and that, that's a really strong feeling I think we've got here. Absolutely. And you mentioned, Delia, earlier that you, you see yourself very much as caretakers that have to take care. How does that differ in mentality to seeing yourself as owners? Well, there are quite a lot of owners we'd not like to see ourselves as, frankly. Um, uh, I mean, it's um, there was a time, obviously, when the club was really on its knees and we did certainly help out. And over the years, we've acquired um, more shares. Uh, sometimes accidentally, um, but the reason that we we've actually do have a majority is that uh, we donated a large sum of money to, to restoring the fortunes of the club, but there's never enough. And like when they had to do the South Stand um, again, that cost a huge amount of money. And so we chipped in and we chip in with equity rather than, you know, um, rather than loans and so um 
it's all ended up in the end. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And taking you back right to the very start of your association with Norwich, it's now sort of 25 years that you joined. What initially attracted you to the club? Well, we were supporters, season yeah. ticket well, holders. We, I've been coming here since 19, uh, 1954, wow. I think. <laughs> so that's, uh, we're very uh, old. No, not at all, but huge fans. Initially, fans first and foremost. Oh, yeah. We used to come with my dad. We and the stood on the river end, which was then more of the mound than actually a terracing. Um, and in those days, you, got, you, you were sort of squashed so close, you, you would move, but all together with everybody else, <laughs> about 20 yards from where you started. Oh, wow. And how much has the club come on since then? It's unrecognisable. I mean, we've been through a, some very raw times, <laughs> very difficult times. And so it's even more pleasurable when you've had to sort of fight for it. Yeah. Um, you know, for years we were just, it's like fighting a fire all the time that would never go out. And I always used to say, um, football is like putting a pile of money on the middle of a pitch and setting light to it. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, talk us through the, the difficult times, because obviously when you first took charge, the club had been promoted or relegated, sorry, from what was the premiership then. So what kind of position did you find the club in at that time? Dire. In fact, I think it was only moments away from, they didn't have administration then, it was just bankruptcy. And um, people had to share jobs. And as season ticket holders, we had had to watch for months our best players being sold off, one by one, all our lovely team that had got us to the premiership. Um, and we, it was just so painful and so horrible. I can remember our first board meeting ever, and all we talked about was firefighting and and um, how there can be no meals at Colney. People had to share a job. So share, in, job in sharing. Here, and road. Any, um, any check over five pounds had to be endorsed by the financial director. Seriously, it was that bad. And how much of a challenge did you see that as then? Oh, it was, it was a challenge. It was like pu pushing water up a hill. Like, oh, you, you could, you could never really see a way out of it. But um, you know, gradually, slowly, not just us, but with the help of a lot of people, you know, former chairman, board directors, whatever, um, you know, we managed to keep servicing the debt. <laughs> That's what we had to do, is service the debt every year. And you did it very much in your own way. I mean, Delia's Canary Catering as well, the, the money that that's brought in and all the events you used to put on the evenings with, that all helped generate, generate money for the clubs. That's still yes. still is, and it's so important, isn't it? Well, I got fed up with sitting around a board meeting, you know, talking about how to get rid of the debt. And so I said, why don't we try and make some money? And then when I saw how big, when you come as a season ticket holder, you don't really see behind the scenes. When I saw all these huge spaces and rooms, I thought there must be something we could do. And I asked the chief executive if he if he was interested in, in changing the catering because I thought we might be able to make some money. And there was a lot of He said um, no actually. Yeah, he said <laughs> Oh really? How did you change the mindset? A lot of a lot of um you know, criticisms in the press, you know, oh Delia's only interested in hot plates, not in football. Was yeah. that difficult to handle at the time? <laughs> no, not really. Did you kind of expect it in a way? Sort of, yeah. I mean, that's it, isn't it? That's it. But we actually did pull this catering company together. 
And um, we have been able through it to, to contribute to the football and the stability of the club. So it was all worth it. And you say stability there. How key is that? We're building such a self-sustainable, if I can say it right, <laughs> self-sustainable model here, which is different to what you do see from a lot of clubs. And I know you've come out and said we don't want to be like some owners of, of clubs that just pump millions and millions of pounds in and aren't looking at the longer term future. How important is that model that you've created here at Norwich? Well, it's key. Yes, I think it's the, the problem with pumping money into a club um, is that what it, what it does actually is means you have to pay a lot more for players because they know you've got the money. And frankly, the, if you don't pick the right players, that is a complete waste of billions, I suppose. Um, but if you can actually see from the word go, players develop, get better, break into the first team, get better, that's far more sustainable, frankly. And that's where investing into youth has massively played a part over recent seasons, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's too ambitious a thing to say. But as we've learned, as we've grown ourselves into, the, into what we're doing, I think we now feel very much, um, not just for Norwich City, but for football as a whole. And we feel that Norwich City has a chance here to really change the face of football if we do everything right and we can keep the team we have now. Do you know what? I did an interview recently with Stephen Fry and he mentioned the fact that Arsene Wenger had said how lucky us Norwich fans are to have you. You know, people come over the world, look at the model here. That must make you very proud. Mm. I'll, send the, I'll send the check to Arsene a bit later. <laughs> we are very proud, but it's been a, you know, a team thing. If we hadn't got the people we've got in the positions they're in, we wouldn't have achieved it. But we have got a wonderful team here. Um, we've got Stuart Webber, and without Stuart Webber, we would never have had Daniel. So it, it just all works like that. And we've got um, Zoe Ward and Ben Kensel, and we've got a team of people here who are making this football club thrive. Yeah, and it is absolutely clear for all to see the philosophy, the ethos of the club. But just tell us a bit more detail about your relationship. Firstly, with Stuart Webber. <laughs> he is just, like, amazing. But you've had to put your trust into him, obviously, as well. When he joined in 2017, there was a lot that he wanted to improve. Did you know there'd be quite so many changes he wanted to make? We, know. we, so we soon found out. <laughs> we soon found out, and... I think we sort of, we trusted him from the word go. I mean, the minute he came in with his list of managers he was going to interview and what he was going to do, I mean, it, it was just glaringly obvious. We were in another league. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and Daniel Farker, what, what's your relationship like with him? Well, more or less the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just worship Daniel and um, I'm so proud. He's not um, an ego He's just a gentle person. Sometimes he gets very angry. <laughs> but he just does usually the work. Yeah, right. usually with referees. But any manager who can produce that kind of football and key, key, not be afraid to give young players a chance. He's not afraid to do that. He will. And that is where we have. And this year, I... The thing that bowled me over the most this year was we lost our back four. We went into a game without any of our back four. What happens? In comes a couple of kids, young people. 
And we didn't notice the difference, did we, really? Well, it is. It's kind of like a case of his one I made earlier. (laughs) But that doesn't happen overnight, does it? Just tell us the thought process behind bringing that model into a club like Norwich. Well, I think it's the passion of of Daniel and um, Stuart. They have a passion to do it. That's the way they want to do it. They, you know, they understand that there isn't, you know, millions of pounds of money here. They understood that right from the beginning and they've gone about it in the way they've gone about it. And we haven't really noticed there's not a lot of money. <laughs> because, we haven't as fans no, either right now. Because, because, I mean, you know, when we played Watford, you know, they had a 40 million player, but they weren't better than us, you know? It's just what they've done is incredible. Yeah, and you can see their passion for the club and we can see your passion for the club, of course. Still as passionate as ever? Yeah. More. <laughs> right, more, yeah. More. Why so more? Oh, because it's it's a journey and um, it's um, one of the things about football supporters everywhere. What unites them is the hope, the hope of being able to achieve. And I really have such a hope to achieve here something that will contribute to the whole of football that you know it isn't all about money and in what way is it going to contribute to the whole of football because a lot of people feel excluded clubs feel they're little they're never going anywhere you know and they look at the the big multi-million clubs and it's sort of in a it's in a different world isn't it and um so I think we need to give that hope to everybody if we can achieve it. We haven't achieved it yet. We have to be stable in the Premier to, to, to sort of really achieve that. Yeah, two promotions from the last three seasons, though. Is not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> Hugely impressive. What were the celebrations like? Because I saw you singing the Emmy chant outside Carrow Road well, that, after promotion. That was celebration. That was a celebration. <laughs> that was the best bit. But in here, there were the staff and four board directors and the staff with a bottle of champagne and it was flat as a pancake. Oh no! Bad timing! (laughs) We we were obviously, obviously we were overjoyed, but it's not like having supporters. And when I saw those supporters outside, I thought, oh yeah! Yeah, you can see how much it means to you just being able to go and speak to, to the fans when you could there. How much are you looking forward to next season when we're all back in the stadium? Oh, well, I can't tell you. I don't know what Carrow Road is going to be like. I mean, can you imagine Carrow Road when they're all back together and the team come out? I just, it's just hard to imagine the joy, isn't it, that 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 will be. And I certainly think what lockdown has taught all of us is, you know, not to take things for granted. I get quite emotional about the the supporters because I didn't realise, you know, how much I loved them. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice to hear. And where does this season rate among your favourite memories of Norwich? I think it comes out on top. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there have been lots of moments and there have been lots of seasons. But I think it boils down to the way the team have played, I honestly think, and, and you know, the spirit in, in the club. Um, it's been second to none. And, and who have you been more, the most impressed with on the pitch this season? can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been impressed with every single player. And also, I think, thanks to Stuart and Daniel, 
it just seems to have happened that we get the nicest footballers, <laughs> the most lovely guys you could ever want to meet. And I think um, I just pay tribute to all of them. I don't sometimes think they get enough praise, really. Um, you know, people sort of think, oh, they've got a lot of money and this, that and the other. But there's some lovely young guys out there with lovely families. And we love them, don't we? All of them. We can't pick one out. Okay, that's that's a, that's a good answer. And how, how much communication do you have at the training ground as well? Do you go in there every week or so, every couple of weeks? How, how does it work with you guys? We were going quite regularly, but not in lockdown. We haven't. We belong to the old ones who have to isolate themselves, you know? So we haven't been going this year as much as we would have done. But you've obviously seen the improvements that have taken place in the training ground. How has that all come about? How do you have conversations with, with you know, the plans for the training ground? Because that is a player's home, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not our call. It's it's the people who play football who design all that and work out how to do it. And you have to put a lot of trust into them as well. Yeah. And it's outstanding, isn't it? It's outstanding. And do you have much communication with other owners of other football clubs, obviously now back in the Premier League. Yeah. Clubs run differently by different owners. What can what do you take from other clubs and other owners to do and to not do? Well, when we have to say, of course, with the lockdown, uh, we've not been seeing them this year, but we've spoken a lot to, well, to most of them, I guess. And what you get from a whole lot of them is that have, they face exactly the same problems as we, we face. They may not answer in the same way, but the the problems are there, um, mind you. I, we haven't spoken to any Arab sheikhs or American <laughs> billionaires because they're not around. <laughs> they don't go to football. <laughs> Fair enough, and that's not what you're about, is it? Well, I just want to get your take on the European Super League, which has sent shockwaves across <laughs> football over the last week or two. What are your thoughts on that and those plans that were taking place, those conversations that would have been taking place as well to to try and make that happen? Absolute nonsense. Um, I think that. Um, well, all the arguments against it have been well rehearsed now. And um, but I mean, can you can you imagine um, supporters forking out huge amounts of money to travel to the far ends of Europe on a regular basis? And but quite apart from the sort of the, the greed element of it, uh, how they on earth they thought they could fit in an extra twenty matches into what is already a um, absolutely crammed season anyway nobody's thought it through for heaven's sake that must does, that, does it frustrate you to see the greed that is in some areas of football given the model that you have here yeah <laughs> it does I, I mean I think um, there is just a little element of disappointment I mean I was it was shock horror and it, I agree with every, everything Michael said but there was a little element inside me that said oh go then <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite sorry they're still there, really. (laughs) Fair enough, I can understand that. Was the first you heard of it when it came out in the news or were there kind of rumours that this might be taking place? No, when it was announced. I mean, it was so funny that it was announced 11 o'clock at night, American time. They were announced at our time, but in America, you know, in the daytime, that sort of struck a chord. And no, the way it was announced. And I mean, (laughs) I think Stephen Fry had the best comment of all because he said um, they have achieved those six clubs what no government 
the whole of Europe hasn't been able to achieve before, and that is to unite everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had you had Liverpool and Everton fans all agreeing on the same thing, didn't you? And how how important is football in bringing people together, especially during this pandemic, more than anything? There's nothing like it. There isn't anything. I don't think other sports, yes, but football is a world family. It definitely is. And you asked about other owners. I mean, you're, we're all competitive, but when we're together, we're all together. And, you know, sometimes Michael and I will go to a pub after a football match where the opposing fans are and our fans are, and to see them all mingling together and having a lovely time. And there is, there is definitely an emotional tie between football supporters from wherever they come from. There's something. You know, even though it's competitive, there's still this sort of thing. You're never, wherever you are in the world, there's a football supporter. <laughs> and why is that so special here at Norwich, that fan base? There's nowhere else for them to go, to be absolutely honest. Um, we're very lucky then. We're lucky that they. Except one place they don't want to go. <laughs> 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 don't say it, Delia. <laughs> they don't want to go to Cambridge. So. <laughs> and how excited are you about seeing, you know, the re the, how the team will come on for next season because we've looked at the likes of say Max Aarons I know you've talked in detail about him just tell us about how proud you feel to see these young players come through the ranks and then be linked with other clubs we saw James Madison now playing for Leicester and actually it was your mum Etty was very very proud of him I remember talking to her a couple of years ago about that that must make you feel very proud we are yeah absolutely and we love them we just um when they've gone you know, we still catch up with them when we go to play them. You know, we always see them, don't we? Go down and say hello um, because we get really, really fond of them. But no, we are we are very proud. And I think, you know, that's a big tribute to, to Daniel and to Stuart that they can take a young player and make him into a fantastic player that can then go on and play in the top, at the very top, um, that is a, a wonderful achievement. And I can remember James Madison's parents sitting, having lunch with us at that table there, telling me um, how James had been really, really affected by the coaching of Daniel, wow. how it had improved his game. And what's been the, the trickiest moments in your ownership? You said there have been some difficult times. Obviously, it's brilliant at the minute and it has been over the last few years. But just talk us through some, some hard times that you've had. Mainly financial, obviously. Um, Getting on a train from Stowmarket to Norwich with a cheque to get here in time to save us. <laughs> and that's actually happened. As, yes. But I wouldn't say that was difficult. But I think there have been difficult moments Um yeah, trying trying to bring money in and not being able to, and uh, that that was frustrating, wasn't it? We went everywhere. We used to go out cap in hand everywhere to try and raise money, didn't we? Yeah, city everywhere. Yeah. We were singularly un unsuccessful. <laughs> well, <I'm> useless, <laughs> <at> it. <laughs> you weren't. But but when you first became majority shareholders, did you know that there was going to be so much work to do on that front? We knew nothing about anything. We just knew that if we could do anything to save our football club, that was it. We had to learn on the hoof, didn't we? Yeah. And how much have you learned in this time? 
Oh, we know it all now. Yes, you do. You do. <laughs> What's been the biggest learning curve, would you say? Don't get into debt. Yeah, I think that's it. But that's got to be easier said than done, is it? Well, we're very lucky now. You know, we're very, very lucky. But having years and years of debt, you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do. It's a millstone. When you look at it, there'll be years when we owed well over 20 million quid. And I've seen no real thoughts about how to pay it back. Although we have now. But it was, I think it was back in 2011, promotion and then three consecutive seasons in the Premier League. How much did that help to rid the club of that debt? It's quite a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although I, th I actually think that the, the promotion after that helped more than more um, because obviously there's more money around. Yeah, then. the first lot was debt. <laughs> the first, yeah, so it didn't really until, as you say. But the amount of money that came, came from Sky was far less then. Yeah. And does it surprise you by the amount of money now involved in football? Because the Premier League, the, the playoff, the championship playoff, to get into the Premier League is seen as the most expensive game, isn't it? Yeah. But when I say I'm full, always full of hope, just think, you know, of Timu Puki. <laughs> what a find. Envy of every club in the championship for no fee. Yeah. And how does that even come about at the start? When we've got the right people making the decisions. <laughs> we are very lucky now to have a very good research and scouting network now. Yeah, data analysis. Data analysis, huge, yeah. And how healthy is the club now in a position? We have actually, obviously, lost a lot of money because of the pandemic. Um, but I think we've managed to keep our heads above water, which a lot of clubs haven't. Um, and... The, the key to it actually will be what we get for next season and seasons after that. Uh, so it'll be, um, it'll be the icing on the cake. All our income streams were taken away. All the catering, for instance. We haven't had anything, no restaurant. T ticket sales. When, uh, and no one could have seen that coming, could they? But that's a credit to the model of the club that Norwich have been able to deal with it perhaps better than some clubs, would you say? I think, yeah, in all modesty, I think that is true. And we've done a few little things, like we've um, started selling cakes. <laughs> yes, and who better to do that? <laughs> we've got, you know, we've got a wonderful pastry kitchen. So in, in the lockdown, the pastry kitchen have been making and selling cakes. They've never been busier, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how positive you've always been through all the ups and the downs as well. I remember when we were relegated to League One, you saw it as a challenge. And, and wow, did that pay off? Paul Lambert came in, back-to-back -back promotions. Where does that rank in your achievements here so far? Well, I think the... That the first game back in League One, if you remember, we were five nil down against yes. Colchester in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, they so, all they went all went home. The supporters at half time. Yeah, they're, they're tearing up their tickets for poor, <laughs> poor Brian Gunn. Yeah, um, but to go from that, it was just got to be the nadir of the thing um, through to winning it. Amazing. I mean, it really was. I think it was the best thing that ever happened to us. To us to yeah. to actually change things. We changed things. We got up. We got up. And we went in here, came in here, and we changed it all. And how did you change it? Where do you start with that? <sighs> well, just getting different personnel. Um, Administrative systems are, are different now. Mm -hmm. The administration yeah, is a different yeah, yeah. way of doing and it. And it was the beginning. And also, um, 
I think, you know, the supporters kept coming even though we were um, in that league. I never get over the fact that the season tickets for that, for League it's One, uh, were the highest. That ever says had a lot about the club point. and the fans, That's doesn't it? The supporters were supporting us, you know, when we most needed it. We had a terrible time from the press, but then we always had a terrible time from the press. Do you let that affect you or did you let that affect you? Stop reading it. Yeah. We don't read it now. I know they've closed down social media, but that doesn't mean it's nothing to us. We've never we don't do social any, media. Any, so any we, accounts we live in happy oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And six promotions during your ownership. Yeah. <laughs> would you have expected it to have been such a roller coaster? Because there's been relegations as well. But I guess the, the down moments must make the ups even more brighter. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true. Um, I think, uh, yes, of course, I know we're known as a yo-yo club, much as I hate the phrase. But um, the aim now is to stop being that. And your aim is for us, obviously, to be sustaining the level at the Premier League. H how healthy what, is that now as a real realistic aim, do you think? Completely realistic, yeah, completely realistic. If we can keep the personnel that we have running the football club. Absolutely. So we had the relegation in 2014. That was quickly then forgotten in 2015. The worst way perhaps not to go up, but the best way to go up at Wembley. That's got to be up there with one of your favourite memories as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was the, the pinnacle, I think, probably. Even better than this season so far? Or dif different feelings, I should think? That moment, that just that one day and that moment one moment was amazing because the other time we went to the playoff final we went to Cardiff yes so because it was at Wembley and just seeing our supporters every street filling Wembley from leading up to oh, Wembley on, on the Norwich side was packed with yellow and green and the windows the door everything it was quite it was, wasn't it I was there too the best one of the best days ever and afterwards we went to after it had all finished we went to um TGI Friday <laughs> and sat and had a wonderful evening with all the um, Middlesbrough supporters oh, wow. who were all congratulating us. You see, that's football. It's Was wonderful. the food up to your standards though, TGI? Yeah, I like, <laughs> the, old, I like the old hamburger every now and then. <laughs> now that's good to hear. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today you. and enjoy the last home game of the season and enjoy the rest of the season as well, the last couple of games we've got. Thank you so much and all the best for next season. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you.